So as we start this sermon this morning, I just want to give an update on what is happening around us before just jumping into the sermon. There is so much is happening across the globe as we speak. I really thank God for God giving us this opportunity that we are, even though with the limitation, with, with the restriction, some of us are able to get back to church and worship the Lord from the church as well as from wherever you are connected with us this morning. But not many countries are doing good. So if you have a quick look at us, what is happening across the globe, the nationwide or the worldwide, there are 10 million confirmed cases of coronavirus. And the death toll is nearing half a million. You know, these are not just numbers, these are lives. I want you to, you know, keep that in mind. These are lives, not just numbers. There are half a million people are wiped away from the face of this earth during the last four months. In the United States alone, there are 2.5 million people that are infected with the virus. This, this was done yesterday, and today it's 2.5 million already. There are 2.5 million people are infected with the virus and more than 125,000 Americans who lost their lives already. So across the globe, across the border, things are not really happening well, but whereas in this part of the land, God has given us a little freedom to move around and to worship the Lord and to gather and to uh, reopen the businesses, we thank God for that. But we don't want to forget the rest of the world. And we need to carry that burden in our hearts as we pray for them as we continue to intercede for the rest of the world. In the United States, because of COVID-19, you know, they were, all the states were shut down, but recently they started opening up the states and they were lifting of the lockdown restrictions from most of the states. But they recently found the COVID-19 cases are soaring high during last week and last week before. Texas reported all-time daily high of more than 5,500 uh, 5, cases on a single day. Texas State alone reported COVID-19 cases on last Tuesday. So, you know, that happened just weeks after that state became, you know, one of the earliest states to reopen from the coronavirus lockdown. So they end up in reporting last week on Tuesday, one day alone, of more than 5,500 5, cases. So the situation is not really great. The United States are responding to this situation. Mostly all the states were reopened or they were reopening. But then in a recent surge in some of the states are, you know, making them to withdraw or to reverse uh, their opening. And the restrictions are again coming back, or already came back, especially Texas and Florida. They again announced close down, shut down. 
on other states or California and other states are still considering how to go about the situation. And you know, some of those states you see there, they are past the reopening. But all the, that you see in blue color, you know, they are already reopened. Uh, reopening, it's going on, or the dark blues are already reopened. And the light uh, orange color is the states, you know, they are putting them on, themselves on pause, just waiting for, see what has happening. And the dark orange color says, you know, those states, they reverse their open. You know, we are living in such a tight situation. India crossed half a million cases tested positive. And when you say that number in India, you know, it, it, it may be, you know, uh, one and a half or two times more than what is reported officially. And more than 15,000 deaths were already reported. These are just only reported deaths. And no one knows, you know, where all these things are going to end, especially in a country like India, which is thickly populated. There is no way of containing this virus once it's, you know, starts spreading in the, as the community spread. The outbreak of new coronavirus has reached every nation in Africa, a continent of 1.2 billion people. You know, it's seen now every country, every, country, every nation of the continent. Burnout. Anxiety, stress, depression, and fear started showing again among the frontline workers. You know, you would have heard about uh, what happened in la uh, last week uh, for a man in New York. You know, he had a horrible chest pain and he had a severe heart attack, but he refused to go to ER because he was so afraid of coronavirus. Now we are living in a time that is so fearful, you know, so we, we, we are getting into so, you know, so much of fear at, at times when we keep hearing all these things. A new poll conducted on behalf of the Institute for Canadian Citizenship that indicates that one third, sorry, two third of Canadians or two third of Canadians of color, the immigrants, they fear rising discrimination and prejudice in Canada due to COVID-19. There is fear everywhere. Fear spreading everywhere. You know, as we talk, you know, people are living in fear. People are trying to handle fear, but then you know, at times they give up because that is fear is so much. Because when we keep hearing such things happening to our friends, to our brothers and sisters, you know, obviously we are drawn into fear. So this morning I would like to title my sermon as Handling Fear During Crisis. Handling Fear during crisis, I know that you know it has been a while since I spoke about fear. And this morning I want to title my sermon as Handling Fear During Crisis. This morning I believe that God may speak to us. None of us can deny that we are not having fear. We are all living in fear. There are various factors causing fear today. You know, coronavirus is not just like another virus. Because the consequences of this virus is still not, are still not known. No vaccine is yet available and are no direct medication to heal this sickness that is available. So, you know, the reason, there are so much of reason why we fear so much when we deal with this pandemic situation. You know, many people cannot really handle isolation and quarantine. When they are infected with this virus, when they are put in isolation, you know, those who have gone through this situation, this virus, they know about it, how it was all about handling this just all alone. People are afraid. There is tremendous amount of mental pressure on people when we think about all this situation. When we see the uncertainty, 
When we see, you know, uh, the future is vague or future is bleak, there is so much of unknown that is piling up when we look into the future. You know, our hearts are gripped with fear. When we hear what is happening in other countries and what is really happening to some of our known people, some of our friends, what they are going through, what their families are going through, you know, fear comes in our minds. Fear response really starts from the amygdala, you know, portion of our brain. You know, it starts reacting so quickly for that emotion as we see, as we hear about such things happening. It's very obvious that we are all struck with fear at times. Many times, even our age becomes a threat for us to handle all those situations. And this morning, we heard from Psalm 23 that God is asking us not to be afraid because He is with us. His rod and His staff is going to comfort us in times of fear. This morning, we are just again going to plunge into the Word of God to see how we can handle this situation. How do we handle fear? That is a concern. So just, this is what I wrote. Fear doesn't really consume the victim as much it consumes those who witness the victim. You know, the victims are the ones those who are going through that situation. They are going through it anyway. They will handle it anyway. But those who are witnessing, those who are seeing that somebody going through this, you know, fear grips their hearts. Coronavirus is a personal nightmare for those who are going, those who are already struggling with emotional and anxiety disorders. It's very hard for them to handle it. And I've been thinking about the seniors, those who are living in the senior homes. They have not seen their loved ones for the last three months, four months. How do we explain this situation to them? They have not seen such things in their lifetime yet. They have never faced such situation. And how do we, with the kind of struggle that, you know, the healthcare workers are having to explain this situation to them, to make them understand? It's so hard. It's so hard on people. How do we deal with fear? You know, fear is also a tool that the enemy uses against God's people. We need to be aware of it. You know, he makes, you know, makes us miserable. At times, he even destroys our lives by bringing such a great fear in our hearts, in our minds. Fear really doesn't allow us to do what God wants us to do. You know, people who are always living in fear, you know, they are not, they don't even, they even struggle to show their head outside. They always live in fear. What people will think if, I, you know, if somebody sees me? You know, what, what somebody is going to feel if, if, if they come across me? You know, the, all this kind of struggle people are going through. People, fear doesn't really allow us to do anything for God. Fear doesn't really, you know, uh, come from God. Because Bible says that very clearly. Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, I just read it for you. For God, as is known scripture, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. God has not given us fear. This fear doesn't really come from God. This morning I want you to follow me carefully because I know for sure, you know, some of us are going through this in our lives. Those who are fearful, Bible says they will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Those who are afraid, they will be instead, they will be, they will take part in the lake of fire where, you know, fire burns and fire and brimstone that burns forever. Revelation chapter 21 verse 8. 
that says that those who are afraid those who are fearful they will be thrown into the lake of fire you know heaven does not accept somebody who is going through fear heaven doesn't want fearful people but God doesn't want fearful people God wants people who put their trust in the Lord and they are not afraid of what is happening in their lives and around their lives and this fear must be handled we cannot prolong fear in our lives. Morning, I want you to listen to me. We cannot prolong keeping fear inside of us and live forever. It's very difficult. We know, first of all, we cannot be used by God. Secondly, we are under the attack of the enemy. And thirdly, you know, we are so vulnerable to people if we still have fear inside of us. How do we handle fear during crisis? That's our question this morning. Number one, by knowing God. If you can say that with me, if you can read that with me from wherever you are, by knowing God, you can handle fear by knowing God. Coriton Boom, she was a woman, along with her family members, helped Jews to escape the Nazi Holocaust during World War II. Coriton Boom and her family members, they helped approximately around 800 Jews families to escape the Holocaust and you know what what happened the entire family of Coriton boom they were in prison and Cory's dad 84 years old he just passed away in the prison when they were in prison and Cory and her sister and her family members they were moved to a concentration camp near Berlin you know what what is concentration campus where her sister Betsy, she died very soon. But for some reason, Coriton Boom was released from that concentration camp in a miraculous way. But she had to face so many challenges in her life. Many times she was stuck with thick fear in her life. And this is what she says, how she handled fear. Listen to me, Coriton Boom says, and this is what she says. She says, never be afraid. I want you to read this with me. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. You know, if you know you are God, Bible says, and the life says, the experiences say, you don't need to be afraid because you are not afraid of, you know, trusting an unknown future to a known God. You know, we don't trust people, but we, you know, we don't trust unknown people, but you know, we trust known people because of the familiarity because of the knowledge of someone in our lives we don't trust you know our future because we we have never been there into the future so we don't trust the future but we know we trust the lord we trust god who holds the future our trust in god depends on how much we know him you know this morning we are talking about how do we handle fear in our lives we are talking about number one by knowing god how much do we know God? You know, that much we can handle fear. Knowledge of God is important. Bible says in Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, in fact, God says, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I desire the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. 
Church, this morning God is saying, I desire more knowledge of God than the offerings, than our sacrifices. You know, God wants us to have perfect understanding about the knowledge of God. This morning, listen to me, Christianity has become very superficial. Christianity has become a very shallow religion. You know, women we take women, women we come to Christ. Next day we take the Bible and start preaching the word of God. We don't give time to study the word of God. They never take to study their Bible. You know, they start preaching the word of God. How can they preach the word of God if they do not know the word of God? How can they preach the word of God if they do not know our God? This morning I want you to listen to me carefully. They are led by emotions. They are led by feelings. You know, how few scriptures, you know, they, they, they usually use few scriptures that are in favor of them. They repeatedly use the scriptures over and over again. Where are those Bible studies in churches? You know, we, we had those Bible studies for a reason. This morning we are talking about knowledge of God. You know, it, it is shameful at times to tell this. In the church of Corinth, I want you to listen to me. There were, you know, there were some people, they were saying, there is no resurrection. Once we die, and we are dead forever. But Paul is saying, do not deceive yourself by joining those team who doubt resurrection. And in fact, he said, evil company, listen to me, evil company corrupts good habits. He said that in this particular context, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 34, 1 Corinthians 15, 34, Paul says, Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. You know, if Paul is walking into our churches, I believe that's what he will say. He will say, many of us do not have the knowledge of God. And he will say that, you know, I am ashamed that you being calling yourself as a church because you do not know about God. You know, Christianity is so superficial. We need to know the God. We need to know the God of this book. You know, we know we have the word of God in our hands. We need to know the God of this Bible. When you meditate word of God, meditation takes the information from the word of God, from the Bible. And it turns it into revelation. That's where we know the God. We know our God. This book is full of information. And when we read this information, it is just only information. But when we meditate this information, it is turned into revelation. Then only we will know God. These letters are not going to tell about our God because we know very well this many letters, this many pages, this book size of the book cannot contain God. But there is a greater revelation that is hidden in the word of God. You know, that's the reason this was not written by men. It was written by the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit as he breathed. Instead of studying Bible, today we turn to listening, inspiring and thrill-infused and ecstatic sermons. You know, that's how I want to name them. That gives us goosebumps. And that gives us great excitement. We want to listen such sermons and we get excited. And that just goes away the same way we got excited. You know, it's a real shame on Christianity. It's a real shame on us. On Sunday, April 18, 2010, 2010, best-selling author, and conference speaker Francis Chan 
Many of you must be knowing him announced his resignation from his mega church, Cornerstone, in Simi Valley in California, USA. And he pursued what God called him to continue in his life. God put in his heart. This happened in April 18, 2010. In the later days, he shared the reason for his decision. And this is what exactly he says. You can read with me. I got frustrated at a point. This is what Francis Chan says for the reason why he resigned from the Magar Church. I got frustrated at a point just biblically. According to the Bible, every single one of these people has a supernatural gift that's meant to be used for the body. And I am like 5,000 people show up every week. I mean, this is his language. 5,000 people show up every week to hear my gift, see my gift. That's a lot of waste. Then I started thinking, how much does it cost to run this church, run all these things, millions of dollars? So, I'm wasting the human resources of these people that according to scripture have a miraculous gift that they could contribute to the body, but they are just sitting there quietly. They just sit there and listen to me. And he said, I'm not convinced that God called me to do this. And he started his missionary journey, in fact, to Southern Southeast Asia. That's where he's a missionary now. You know why I'm saying this this morning? Knowledge of God is important. And we need to be the students of the word of God. We need to be studying the word of God. And we need to be doing what God has called us to do. God doesn't expect us to be mega church. But God expects us to be people group joining together. Studying the word of God as home groups and small groups and study groups. Studying the word of God and implementing and making, oneself more, making each other accountable. And implementing what we study in our lives. That's the expectation of God. You know many times we listen with our head listen to me many times we get so much into our head but you know what unless you know we really ask the Holy Spirit to take it down to our heart it is useless and where that can happen that can happen in the Bible study through the meditation of God allowing ourselves you know to, uh, to, to the work of the Holy Spirit and trying to implement what we study from the Word of God and Corey said Never be afraid to trust an unknown God, unknown future to a known God. Number two, how can we handle fear? Not just by knowing who God is, but also by praying for others. You know, this may look strange for you this morning to listen to this from me. How can we handle fear? By praying for others. Some of you understand what I'm talking about. Let's, let's again go back to Coriton Boomer and see what she said. You know, she lived in very frightening situations in the, in the prison as well as in, in concentration camps. You know, many times she was swallowed by great fear in her life. And you know, this is what she says. Listen to me. I, she says, I prayed to dispel my fear. You know, it is life and death situation for her. She is having the precious responsibility of sharing the gospel to a couple of more people before she dies. You know, helping some, of more, some more Jews to escape from their difficulty. And she says, I prayed to dispel my fear until suddenly, and I do not know how the idea came to me. I began to pray for others. 
I prayed for everyone who came into my thoughts, people with whom I had traveled, those who had been in prison with me, my school friends of years ago. I do not know how long I continued my prayer, but this I do know, my fear was gone. Interceding for others had released me. That's what Corrigan Boom says. When we pray for others, you know, a couple of things that happen within us. You know, that's the reason we encourage intercessory prayer, praying for others. You know, I know this in this ministry, you know, in this church, few of you, and in, the, in, the, in our prayer, online prayer con- conference, you know, there are many, those who intercede for others. There are many, God has blessed this ministry with many intercessors. You know, oftentimes I used to tell those intercessors, the only reason we are able to still have church in Halifax is because of your prayer. Be not because of the prayer that is going on at the church. It's because of the prayer that you are praying for each one of us by even telling our names at times. I thank you and I honor your contribution to this ministry. When we pray for others, Number one, we learn to trust in God. And we are also changed when we pray for others. I want to give you a couple of scriptures here. When we pray for others, our confidence in God increases. First John chapter 5 verse 14 says, even though it talks generally about prayer, now this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. What is the confidence? The confidence is, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. I don't know, praying for your, uh, uh, your bungalow or your, your big house of half a million, I don't know whether that is the will of God or not, but I am strongly, I know that praying for somebody who is dying is the will of God. Praying for somebody who is struggling through cancer is the will of God. Praying for somebody who is not saved yet is the will of God. When we ask anything according to his will, he answers us, and that gives us what? Confidence. And how this confidence increases? As we pray for more. You know, there are prayer warriors sitting here. There are prayer warriors, those who are listening to me. How many prayer requests you prayed for others? And how many times you rejoice when God answered them? You know, how many times you thank God, you praise God when, you know, when we hear the prayer praise reports? And every time that increases our confidence, when we pray for others, it increases our confidence, it strengthens us, fear will automatically go away. Just one more scripture, Job chapter 42 verse 10 says, when you pray for others, God restores our lives, and the Lord restored Job's lives, sorry, Job's losses, when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. When we pray for others, there is a restoration that takes place within us. That drives fear away from us. So praying for others, you know, it's not easy. It takes energy. It sucks energy out of us. Those who intercede, those who pray, we know, you know, it takes energy. But when we pray for others, there are a couple of things happen. Number one, when we pray for others, we, you know, when we, 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 we learn to trust in God. When we pray for others, we are changed in fact. Prayer changes lives. Prayer changes the one who is praying. You know, prayer brings changes in the life of the praying person before even it changes it somebody else's life. And when we pray for others, our confidence in God increases. When we pray for others, God restores our lives. You know, these are the four things that really takes place in any child of God when someone prays for others. So praying for others is going to drive fear away from your lives. Number three, final one. Fear can be driven away 
by captivating our thoughts. Can you say captivating? Captivating our thoughts. You know, we very rarely confront fear physically. I want you to understand. Very rarely we come across very frightening situation. But most of the time, fear originates inside of us. Fear originates inside of us, in our thoughts. I am alone. I don't have anyone to help me. You know, if this happens to me, or it happened to my life because God did not like me, I'm talking about what is happening inside of us. Because I'm too flawed, because I, am, I don't really deserve, I'm too damaged. And God rejected me, God abandoned me, that's the reason this is happening to me. And you know, I'm going through this struggle because economy is failing. And you know what, at the end of the day, I'm going to be left with nothing in my life. I have no future, I just got trapped in this situation. You know, I want you to listen this morning, how many of you, how many of you feel that you are trapped in your marriage relationship? How many of you are trapped, you know, with your in-laws? How many of you are trapped in the nation that is totally unknown to you? How many of you are trapped with the people whom you don't like? How many of you are trapped in a situation, that situation is so vulnerable, you know, you, 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 are so, you become so vulnerable to the attack. Many of us feel that we are trapped in the situation. Sometimes we feel that we are so powerless. I don't have any idea, I tried everything. I tried my level best, I don't know what to do now. I fear whether I'm going to survive, it or survive through or not. At times when we hear about others, what others are going through, we think if the same thing happens to me. There are so much of violence is happening to, today around, for people, against people. There is so much of, you know, so much of, you know, violence because of racism. In the midst of all the pandemic situation, at times fear strikes us when we hear about others. If that happens to me, how am I going to face this? I'm afraid because what really happened to him that should not happen to me, that should not happen to anyone in my family. And I really do not know where all this coronavirus thing is going to go. We are struck with the fear inside of us. The third way of handling fear is by captivating our thought. I'm just going to read one scripture quickly and then, you know, in a few minutes, just I'm going to help you here. Our mind needs to be renewed. Just want to talk a little bit about the connection that we have with our mind and our thoughts. Our thought process needs to be captivated. Our minds need to be renewed and our thoughts need to be captivated. I want you to follow carefully. Fear comes when our thoughts are set loose. And when our mind is wandering here and there. And our brain collects all the information through from news channels and from media. And our brain takes everything in. And our, we are free to think anything. And our mind is roaming here and there, everywhere. And when our mind processes them, and our thought is always around those things that causes fear in our lives. We imagine things. Sorry, we imagine and we think more. And even if we imagine our hypothetical situations in our lives, 
if that happened to me, if that happened to my family, you know, if everything works out to be negative, if nothing is moving, nothing is progressing at all, what will happen to me? You know, God is saying, God is telling us that we need to captivate our thought, even though our thought process, our mind and brain, they all work together. Bible talks about captivating our thought. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5. Paul writes here, to the Corinthians, he says, for though we walk in the flesh, just going to, we are going to just dwell in the scripture for a few more minutes. Just want you to read this carefully. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds and casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now let's read this same scripture with exposition. Let's do an expository reading to the scripture now. Let's go back to the same scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 3 to five. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. When you appropriate the scripture in the context that we are talking about, about fear, the scripture says, these lines says, even though it is fearful, what you saw, I mean, this is not a commentary, it's just my own words, even though it's fearful, what you saw or what you heard was real, we are not afraid. Because we don't fight against those things in the way people of the world would fight. For though we walk in, I mean, this is, how, this is how we need to study the word of God too. Though we walk in flesh, we do not war against war according to the flesh. Even though it is fearful, what you see and what we hear is so real. And even though we are afraid, we are supposed to be afraid of the situation, but we are not afraid. We don't get afraid, we, are, we don't get uh, you know, afraid because these things, we don't try to handle the way the world handles or we don't try to accept those information the way world accepts. Let's go to verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That simply tells us we cannot fight against the enemy with our own strength and win. We can't fight against the coronavirus by medical means. Medical field is helpful. Thank God for that science, medical science. But that alone is not going to contain when as we are living in the last days and when the enemy is so against the people of God, he doesn't want the God's work to progress on the face of this earth because he knows that there is time is limited, church is very aggressive and the same way the enemy is also aggressive. He doesn't want things to go well. You know, how many crusades got stopped? Yesterday I was talking to my uncle in India. He's a firm believer in the, word, in, in the Lord. And they have conventions every year for, by gathering people from and all over the world. They all come for the convention. And that took place March 12th or so before the lockdown, just before the day of lockdown. That went very well. And since then, there might, might have been so many local conventions, but you know what? Nothing had happened. Nothing had happened. So many souls would have given their life to God, but nothing happened because the enemy knows everything that he's so aggressive and he's the one who's causing the trouble, not God. And you know, we cannot fight against the enemy with our own strength, 
because our weapons of our warfare are not carnal so we cannot fight this coronavirus by medical means or we cannot end racism and torture by protest that's what the scripture says let's go ahead by but our weapons are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds how do we need to handle fear in our lives our weapons are supernatural because our God is supernatural God who brought down the Jericho wall of Jericho who shut the mouth of lions who opened the prison door you know, our God is a mighty God this morning we are talking about fear and you know we don't find any place for fear in the scripture we don't find any place for fear in the life of a child of God verse 5 casting down arguments God is our advocate God is our prosecutor or God is our lawyer God fights for justice even though people are coming against you even though people are arguing against you God is your judge he is, will fight for justice he was a God of justice and if you continue and everything every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God you know we get the knowledge of God from the Word of God everything that is contrary to the Word of God may be a human achievement or a human revelation everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God now Bible says bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ Jesus now knowing all these things God is telling you need to bring your thoughts and surrender your thoughts completely to God when our thoughts are captivated fear will go away from our lives this morning I don't know what is our fear and I perfectly understand there is all the reason that we are afraid of things that are happening around us when we see children of God when we see believers of God when we see ministers of God going through such trials and tragedies in their lives you know it raises question within us why such things are happening to people of God but you know what whatever is happening against the people of God that doesn't change the scripture that doesn't even reduce the power of God that nullifies any of the plan that God has for your life the reason your life is spared just God is about to do something in your life God is up to something in your life those who are gone they are gone because God you know you know what for a child of God before the day that God has appointed nothing is going to happen nothing else will happen but what really matters is not about worrying about that day but it's worrying about what are we doing now this morning I ask you that you may just surrender your life this morning to three thoughts that we shared this morning let's take all the effort to know who our God is I don't know the entirety of God you don't know the entirety of God but God is asking you to read the Word of God to study the Word to know who the God of the Word is number two by praying for others can you just start that practice in your life God had called some of you as an intercessor but where is your calling today God had called some of you to intercede for people around you but do you do that where do you stand in your calling this morning God is asking you to come back God is asking you to come and stand on your knees not to pray for you but to pray for somebody else the fear will go away from your life the you will come out of those nightmares that you are dealing with because you don't take time to pray for others just start practicing that in your life 
you will see the deliverance number three captivating our thought you know we have such a great God he has given us weapons of warfare they are not carnal but they are mighty in God they are able to pull down the stronghold you know you have your God is on your side so that you can quench any argument that is rising against your life and God made it very sure nothing can exalt itself above the knowledge of the Word of God we have such an amazing God this morning God is telling you why are you still living in fear can you come out of fear in Jesus name this morning